right, fellas, well, thanks for taking the time to do this today. I really appreciate it, particularly as we are in this lovely little busy period in the build. Well, it can be busy. It can be kind of chilled out as we get closer to a release date. First things first, how are you doing today? Good. Yeah, um, pretty good. Not, not too bad. It's really stormy here, so it's quite nice. I've just been like sat looking out at the rain working, listening to loads of doom. Now. <laughs> so it's been quite nice. Yeah, it's a great band. Do you know uh, Winged Victory for the Sullen? Do you know those guys? Yeah, like kind of like they're not really doomed, but they're very moody, like Godspeed, I guess. Kind okay. of. Um, so yeah, good good music for that kind of day. You know? Yeah, and I'm I'm all right. We've just instigated a uh, no snacks for toddlers rule this morning. So um, yeah, I'm dealing with that all day, uh, which is great. I've got a two year old running around shouting for chocolate biscuits all morning. So. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gravy. <laughs> oh, I love it. You're screaming. We're here to talk about the rock star life and uh, unfortunately real life comes along. Exactly. <laughs> well, guys, of course, we're only a few days away from the release of Midnight Heavyweight. How are you feeling at this stage? This point where we are just a few days about the release. Do you still have a sense of excitement or are we at that point where now you just want it out? Um, I think definitely just want it out. I think, I, I think, yeah, you know how it is when you when you you record a piece like this, it gets recorded months ago, mm. like months and months and months ago, and we've been revising artwork and we've been backwards and forwards mixing and backwards and forwards mastering and then getting the pressings and listening to the test pressings and so at this point, I think we've all heard the album like way more than anyone ever will <laughs> um so we just i think i just yeah i want it out in the world i want people to hear it now i'm at that stage yeah for sure probably the same for me to be honest it's um yeah because even though you record them there's still before that when you're writing them as well so it's like even longer but um i mean still super happy with the album but yeah i guess there's there's a period where you forget it's coming out almost and then you're like oh yeah it's coming out right okay let's uh let's kind of get behind it and work it out and work out a plan and start pushing it and stuff. But it's, um, it's a good time of the year for it to come out as well. I think it's quite a moody album. So it's kind of a nice time for it to come out. Yeah. Cock's gone backwards, but darker earlier, earlier yeah, in the yeah. day, it's getting darker now. It's a nice feel to it. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to go right back to the start here, specifically the early days of the album's inception. And specifically I want to touch upon what vision you may have had at the time. Did you have one for what you wanted the album to look like? And if so, what did that vision look like? I mean, I think it's kind of, it's a bit of a weird one for us because with, with Big Sleeper, um, it was born, Big Sleeper was kind of born across a number of years. So we, we wrote some tunes as a batch and then we wrote like a one-off tune because we needed something new to play live. And then we wrote a couple more tunes and then that kind of all came together to make Big Sleeper. So although like we love we love that album, it, it feels we can feel the the disjointed nature of it. And and because of our experience writing it, we we know that those songs are older than these songs, and these songs were written for a specific purpose. Whereas this album was a lot more like I guess what you'd consider to be a traditional album writing process where we actually sat down and from start to finish, we, we went, right, we're going to write a whole album in one go. We're, we're going to put all of our eggs into one basket rather than picking and choosing. So it was, it, it for us, I think it was a lot more succinct 
um, the writing process. And I think that shows in the album because I think that it, it feels much more, to me anyway, it feels much more like one piece of work rather than a bunch of different songs put together on an album. This feels like a full journey. Yeah, absolutely that. I think um, Toby's kind of covered everything there, to be honest, but it's like, it, it definitely has more of an album feel to it for us. I mean, maybe maybe that doesn't necessarily come across as much from the other side, but it's definitely, I think, you know, you can tell that even just from a recording point, like the first album was recorded over like five different sessions with different drummers and stuff, you know, and this album was recorded over one session with the same band, you know, and the same drummer, mm -hmm. uh, just, just one drummer, you know. It's quite nice. Um, you're classic, really. Get a, get a band and record an album. It was that. So it was quite nice to to do that. Um, and it was it was a funny time as well. It was it kind of weirdly preceded COVID in a sense. Even though it's quite a dark album, it was recorded in January 2020. So it kind of set the tone for something that hadn't happened yet for us anyway. Like it felt like a dark album at the time, and then the world got really dark. So yeah, kind of weirdly appropriate. Um. And, and being being a singer, obviously, like the the meat of the album gets recorded first. So so although what Dave's saying is is absolutely right, the the meat of the album was recorded before COVID. We then went away and we all went into lockdown. Mm. And at that point, it was like right, okay, we need to do the album uh, the album vocals. So the vocals were largely written during the very very early stages of lockdown in my tiny little flat in in brighton <clears throat> so it it's yeah it it was it was an album that was recorded just before lockdown but in terms of the vocals and how they were written they 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 really were written in lockdown so i think that that does kind of come through in the moodiness of it and the it, it certain songs do feel kind of insular and and i, I guess that's that's symptomatic of where we were mm. But along that path, I mean, God, there's almost an expectation because COVID have dominated so much for the last few years that there will be a bit in some influence in some way over on the overall product, not necessarily just the vocals. But aside from that, were there any other events or situations that kind of changed your path or what you wanted to do with this album as it built and built, either for better or worse? Yeah, I mean... Uh, my my partner was pregnant um while we were while we were recording um and we we had a difficult pregnancy um with with some some scary stuff that happened so i think a lot of that went into into this album as well i think it was um yeah that that's definitely reflective in in this album in terms of feeling yeah feeling like i couldn't be even though i was in my early 30s feeling like i'm no longer 20 and uh, uh, lay about stoner and actually feeling like right okay I need to be a real proper human being now and all of that scary stuff so yeah that's definitely all that's all in there for, for the for the lyrics yeah yeah I think um from a like guitar point of view or like that kind of stuff it was that it you know coming at it, it it felt like I think you kind of get a feel for it when you after the first song or two like you kind of get a direction or like it, it sounds like you know, the first couple of tunes just felt heavier and slower and a bit darker. So I guess we just kind of lent into that. Um, I, I certainly did and just kind of started writing moodier and darker stuff and just slower, more sludgy stuff, I guess. It just felt right. Whereas the first album was a lot faster, I think. 
Yeah. But you felt quite comfortable as you kind of transitioned into that slower, darker, heavier sound. Yeah, I think, I mean, I personally, like, I, I kind of grew up on like thrash metal, but also then got into doom in my early teenagers. So I kind of love both. So I think that the, the more, like the early album was written, some of those songs were written when we were in uni, when we were like 18, like mm. Doomer and Shaker, like, you know, so I was probably had more, I think I probably just had more energy. <laughs> yeah. I probably just had a bit more adrenaline or, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, um, you know, then I hit my thirties and lockdown, I was like, oh, let's just write some slow, easy riffs. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's fun. I, I kind of prefer, I think I like playing fast stuff, but I think the band, it needed to develop a little bit as well. I think we were all kind of, we all liked that music and it just felt nice to write something a bit moodier um, and a bit, I, th I think a bit more thought through, you know, I think the yeah. songs are more composed and yeah, you know, a bit cleverer really, I think. Yeah. I agree. Not, not to take anything away from the, from the first album, but I just think it's got a bit more depth. It, it's not just a development as a person, as a human being, it's a de your development as an artist and as musicians, right? Exactly that. Yeah. I mean, we've all, you know, me and Toby have played in bands since we were kids. So mm. I think you've, you also go through that stage of like wanting to write the weirdest song and wanting to write the, you know, like it's all through composed and nothing makes sense. And it's all just bit after bit after bit. And then you realize that it's actually quite nice to just write a really, you know, a classic structure, but it's a good song. There's all, yeah. There was almost like a nice challenge in that, you know, writing a song that is a, almost like a pop structure, but is a good song you know and can just, be heavy I, yeah you know? i was just going to say that like when when we when you're younger and you grow up on thrash metal and death metal and like the idea of writing something that is quote unquote pop is like it, it's a revulsion for, for an 18 or a 19 year old who's into that style of music but i think once, once you get into your 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 later periods in life, you come to appreciate Hall and & Oates and, mm. and what magic they create on, on a record. And you kind of go, yeah, let's, let's do that, but with, with distortion and guitars. Yeah, let's do that. So that, that definitely played a part in this record. Amazing. Yeah, you can hear a lot of Hall & Oates, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, we do like to try and focus on the positives, particularly over the last few years. The fact that we are at this stage where you are about to release a new album and you have survived the last few years. Um, the effect that the COVID pandemic had on the industry as a whole, every single band suffered in some ways. But, you know, in, you're here, you're still standing. How much of an effect, though, has the past few years had on Technicolor overall? Not necessarily the creation of the album, but more what came afterwards. The fact that you basically couldn't really do anything for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always it's been a tough, it was kind of tough for a lot of bands, you know, and especially, mm. you know, if you rely on it as your income as well, it's even harder. Um, sorry, there's a cat tail in the way about that. Um, it happens. Um, but yeah, weirdly, I think because Intendix is, is a kind of a unique situation where we've existed since like 2008, but we've also, we, we can kind of survive, we're like a cockroach or something, you know, like, <laughs> We, because we're not set up, like none of us live in the same city. Um, we've known each other for a long time. So there's no like issues with any of that kind of stuff. And it just kind of, it can work from a distance and over online, mm. you know, to a certain extent. Obviously you need to meet up and do the real stuff at some point. But I think um, the way we're set up, it, it just kind of survives in that sense. And I guess because we don't rely on it as our income, that takes away that pressure 
you know for some bands where it's like we've got to do this now otherwise we can't make money and we can't live and you know in a weird way we were fortunate to not be in that position because that can be that's pretty stressful you know and i think that was one of the main things for breaking a lot of bands up was that stress of needing to go out and record and tour and yeah you know so yeah i think we were quite lucky in that sense um definitely tough times though about again i think we were lucky that we arranged to record this album just before covid because if, if it had been a, m- a month later it might never have might never have happened you know so yeah and I, I think i think as well like it showed us that that there's a different way to do it you don't you know you don't need to all be in a practice room you don't all need to be and, and we we knew that anyway because that's kind of how we'd operated for for a few years anyway but i think the the pandemic definitely made us kind of see right we we can all live in separate places and we can continue to keep the band ticking over and it, it's not it's not absolutely necessary and then we kind of continued that afterwards where it's like we, we didn't all come out of lockdown and then go right we all need to move house again and go back to the same city so that we can carry on doing this because we all went well hang on we we've made it work for two yeah. years while we were in lockdown so so yeah let's just continue doing this so yeah i think i think it definitely it showed us that that there are other ways that we can do it and that we all don't need to be touching each other's skin every week for us to be a quote-unquote band. <laughs> Discovering that, would you say that's arguably the most positive surprise, if you want, uh, from the last few years for you guys as a group? Something, you know, that's a passing of an expectation that this is how the band must operate, but no, we can do it this way and we made it work. I mean, yeah, I think, yeah, it definitely is a big thing that we took out of it. But as I say, like, we kind of operated a little bit like that mm. beforehand anyway. Like, when In Technicolor first started, um, like, sort of proper, in, in air quotes, um, about sort of 2014, 2015, I was still living up north. Uh, we didn't really have a proper drummer. We had Vlad, who decided to, to he, he wanted to be involved on bass. Um, and we we kind of we already <laughs> I don't want to say we pioneered but we pioneered the remote working thing before it was cool in the pandemic we we were sending demos backwards and forwards and up and down the country way 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 before any COVID came about so yeah it just it, it definitely reinforced like yeah you know the rest of the world joined us and went oh crap isn't the internet cool and we went <laughs> yeah yeah no we we know <laughs> during that period did you sort of look and watch and sort of see how the initial steps developed into these uh blossoming of massive high budget online shows and things like that and think bloody hell we we might have started something with this but look what it's blown into 100 and we we also looked at our wallets and went fuck if we had some more money man <laughs> <laughs> There, were, there was a point, I feel, where um, there were a couple of such high-budget ones that it kind of killed it dead in the water because nobody, no other band could compete. It was just like, well, if that's the high point, what else is the point? What could you do? 100%. Carnival were Carnival did a couple of online gigs, and watching those was like, what? They, they, I, how is this not on MTV? How have you not got an MTV $3 million budget to do this sort of stuff? Because this is crazy high budget. <laughs> Did, during that period, did, did 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 you, I guess, concern yourself, or did you think much about the live environment? Because obviously, live music d- 
died a death. And aside from occasionally the kind of lockdown shows with limited numbers and seated that we had, did you did you pay much attention? To it? Did you care? Or did you consider it as an option for you? We really, really wanted the technology to have caught up to the point where we could like rehearse with low latency online, which obviously it's just not a thing yet. There's not mm -hmm. enough um, in terms of the latency that you experience. And obviously, again, if that technology existed, I think we, we probably would have said, right, should we try and get a bedroom gig together where we all play in separate bedrooms? And uh, we, we had a couple of friends bands that were doing like pre-records of the the backing instruments and then the singer would do the live um would, would go go live as it were um and that kind of worked worked pretty well but I, I do think that we sat there and went it we don't need to do this like it's we we really mm -hmm. we we've got we've got no we've got no ultimate drive to make this sort of thing happen is just let, let's just let it lie and when we can actually get sweaty on a stage again together let's do that <laughs> it's always better that way yeah i think i think it maybe suits some bands more than others as well like i think you know like our music's quite heavy and like it kind of you know you wouldn't you wouldn't watch a live performance of sun or like you know, you just wouldn't, you'd want to be there. I'm not comparing us to some, but like, you know, like it's the audio experience of watching a band and feeling the music rather than, you know, I would watch a band, I watched a few live sets and they were great, especially for like Carnival or someone a bit more techie and like, you know, arty, I guess, or like more, or maybe just better. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but after also after a while, it was like one of those things that got a little bit boring. Yep. Like, yeah. You got bored of it. Like I don't want to watch loads of live gigs, like on a on a, on my laptop because I'm just staring at my laptop. Like I want yeah. to go and see. The whole point of a live gig is that it's a live gig, right? Yeah. yeah. I watch a cool music video, but yeah. I don't necessarily want to watch hours and hours and hours of just a band playing their songs live, not not being there. Yeah. So I think, I think we just kind of missed the initial boat, and then we're like, let's just wait. And I think there was. I, th I think you're absolutely right. The fact that it it was a bit sad wasn't it like you'd watch these big bands like I think we keep mentioning carnival but like I was watching the carnival lives and just being like ah this just impacts the fact that I know I'm not at a gig right now I'm sat with my cheap bluetooth earbuds in and it's just not the same <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely because it's that whole thing of having an audience as well isn't it you know yeah what about the seated gigs did you uh, by chance get to any of those no, I didn't. To be honest, I um, I think, yeah, I would have gone if there was a band I really wanted to see. Again, if it was like something that suited a seated gig, mm. but um, but no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't actually see any. Um, but I live in the middle of nowhere, so it's, there's not really many bands coming through here anyway. So <laughs> about uh, the travel, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. So and also, there's something nice about not being at a gig when you your whole life is touring you kind of also don't want to be at a gig all the time. So when it was like, see a gig, it was like, mm, I'll just wait until it's the best kind of gig it can be. And then I'll just stay in my pants and play games. And we're all just, we're all, we are an entire band made up of ex-live sound engineers as well. So going to a gig does a little bit kind of feel like work because you oh. listen to, you listen to a band's mix and you go, yeah, I wouldn't have mixed it like that. Or are they taking 3.5 K out of that guitar or are they, do you know what I mean? So you, you kind of, <laughs> Yeah, not being at a gig, you relax and you go, I'm not at work. 
<laughs> oh, I feel for those uh, sound engineers when they look over to the left and see you all gathered there watching a band and just yeah, yeah, what, watching his fingers on the mixing board rather than the stage. Yeah. <laughs> um, going back to the album, we talked about you've described it, and I guess your process almost as a lot more relaxing than I necessarily expect because obviously there's a lot of hardship and stress and pain and suffering that can come with it. But it's been a joy to hear that it's felt like a natural process too. But I have to ask, can you think of any particularly challenging aspects that cropped up for you either personally or as a group? And if they did, what did you do to overcome them? Hmm. I mean, we really, really like playing through vintage amplifiers. So, I mean, they go wrong all the fucking time. But, <laughs> but, but we have really good repair technicians that are a phone call away. So, I mean, I guess that could be described as a hardship and something that we, uh, <laughs> something that we overcame. I don't think we do that. We don't have a lot of like, we don't butt heads or anything, do we? No, I don't think. I mean, we've known we've only known each other for a long time, and. You know, I think creatively we're all pretty much on the same page. And um, yeah, I think we're kind of always like, there's a few arguments now and again, but not really. Like it's, you definitely hear horror stories of bands that, you know, have these bust ups and all this kind of stuff. But then maybe they, I don't know. Like we, we, we just don't get on as well. <laughs> we describe ourselves as a stoner rock band. And yes, that is, you know, that's to do with tagging the music as that. But it's also kind of our mentality as a band because <laughs> that's kind of how we all are, which is like, meh, if it happens, it happens. So that's, yeah, <laughs> hardships don't really happen when you're stoned all the time. <laughs> I mean, I love it. I love to hear that it was, um, it's been such a good experience, particularly as we are so close to the release date. Do you feel overall that the album matches what you set out to do from the very start when you think back to it? Yeah, I think it does. I think um, I think for me, it, it it works as a like cohesively as an album. Oh. There were tracks that were never made as the album. Like you know, we spent we did spend quite a bit of time, you know, deciding on the track listing and which songs to go on and which songs didn't suit. You know, and like San Francisco was one that didn't go on the album, not because it wasn't a good song, but we just it didn't feel like the same album. It felt like a different mood. It felt like more. I guess a bit like more like the older stuff necessarily. So we spent a bit of time on, you know, there was three or four songs that didn't make the cut or just exist as B-sides for them, maybe something down the line. So we spent a bit of time sorting that out. But I think, you know, having surplus songs helps you create an album that has a theme and a mood throughout because they all complement each other and, and it, you know, it runs from start to finish with a purpose. And then the, the hardest thing I find at that point is getting the artwork to suit the music. Like, I think that's quite a big, I think it's quite an important part of any album. I think, mm. you know, it's like, that is the first thing that anyone sees. And it, it definitely sets the tone for your album. And if it's the wrong tone, and it doesn't quite make sense. I'm, you know, so I think getting the album artwork was key and getting also getting an album title because I think that's, quite a satisfying thing fun thing to I, do so yeah yeah I, I think the same about about track names as well because we are horrors for having ridiculous working titles and uh, like us in the band we will always know songs of midnight sleeper as their working titles that are that song titles like davisimo was was one of the song titles <laughs> which obviously was never going to end up on the album but 
it was nice to actually sit down and go, right, let, let's create some song titles that are about the songs that encapsulate what we've, what we've written and work in this, in this moody, foggy, rainy kind of album that we've created. <laughs> well, on that then, for both of you, is there a specific track from the album that listeners haven't heard yet, it's not been out yet, that you're really interested to hear the reaction to for whatever reason you just want to know what people think of that specific track yeah eastman the the last track on the album it's i think there are certain songs on an album and i think it happens for most musicians if not all musicians where you you have that one song that just falls out of you you don't need to try you don't need to you don't need to have revisions you don't need to rewrite passages you literally you know whoever is the main songwriter writes their part and then somebody else puts their part on top and it all just comes together and Eastman is definitely one of those tunes Dave Dave sent me the bare bones of Eastman which is essentially the the final track and I recorded my demo version of the vocals over the top and again they are essentially the final versions we did very very little in terms of revising that tune we did I think two demos and then we went into the studio and recorded it almost verbatim for what the demo is so I'm, I'm interested to hear what other people think of that because it's it's one of those songs where I'm I'm super proud of that song amazing yeah for I think Eastman for me too as well it's like it was I had some time I was in a studio with another band and they didn't turn up or something like that so I had a day and I found a chorus pedal and uh just pressed record and and Eastman came out and it was just one of those kind of and the song I think the guitar I was using was called an Eastman uh, and that's where the name of the song came from so it maybe don't put that if you want a deeper meaning we can make something up but that's actually what <laughs> that's actually what it is but no one needs to know that but well, I guess they do know. but but that and um there's another song called um, Corner of Time in the World, which I think is quite an interesting tune because it, it's not like our other stuff, I guess. It's got a bit of a like Twin Peaksy feel mm -hmm. to it or like Glenn, you know, Glenn Campbell-y kind of tremolo guitar, like 70s style stuff. So that, that definitely is a bit of a departure, but, you know, it's got those kind of Cult of Luna roots as well with like kind of, I don't know if you know, that band but they've got a great song called um with her came the birds mm. and it's just like a really eerie guitar-y you know like lo-fi tune and yeah it's there's a song like that on our first album called slow moth and it, it's that kind of vibe but they're always really fun to record because because there's more sonic you know you can do more with them necessarily when it's not when something's heavy all the time it's heavy mm. when it can go heavy and it's really light and it's it's quite fun it's definitely like a good headphone listen you know so that's definitely the headphone listen of the album i think listen i try to avoid um talking too much about my own personal feelings uh, feelings about a record uh because ultimately you, i could just be saying it because i'm talking to you face to face that's what i read reviews <laughs> sure, yeah. that's when it honestly comes out however i have yeah. heard the album a few times already um and uh, it's interesting some of the things you would say and i wanted to throw out there that there the most important aspect that I've come away for is two things. One is flow. This is an album in Technicolor that flows in a way that I've not heard before. But also, also, I think it's a challenging listen. And I wonder if that's something you're getting as well, is that it's a challenging listen in an exciting way. Yeah, for sure. I think that, I think that people who like 
that style of music, uh, that stoner rock, desert rock, that that kind of grungy, I think that it's got stuff on it that will perhaps make people's heads go, do I like that? <laughs> do I not like that? Like I say, I think I think it's the pop influence. I, I genuinely think that's what it is. I think that it's we've we've tried to throw quite a lot of pop into it, and I think that's quite challenging for for mm. some people. So I, yeah, I I agree with you, uh, but I would urge people to get involved with the bubblegum pop. <laughs> Amazing. All right, last one for you before you let it get on with your day. And this is about uh, between the period of November 10th to the 27th. And of course, you're on the road throughout the UK, a number of dates and a number of cities. For those specifically who have never experienced you guys live, uh, particularly maybe getting to know you over this long pandemic period and, and to now, what can they expect from those shows um loud L loud is is generally how people describe our shows uh yeah we're kind of energetic we like to try and pretend like we're 25 but we're not we're in our early 30s so we we move around a lot on stage and then we suffer for it afterwards um yeah i think that we're we like particularly in the vocals, we like a lot of production, we like a lot of harmony, we like a lot of, and, and obviously that's not possible live, or, or it's, it is possible, but only to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. So I think that we sound a little raw live in a good way. Um, well, we'll leave that to the audience. <laughs> um, but I think that, yeah, I think we sound a little raw and a little uh, less produced but I'm always a huge fan of those bands. I think Queens of the Stone Age are, are an absolute epitome of that, where on record, they sound like money, they sound like Pro Tools, and then you go and see them live, and the songs almost take on a completely different uh, meaning and a completely different sound because they're live and they're raw. And mm. I think we, we kind of fall into that um, through the fact that we can't hire five backing singers to sing my my harmonies <laughs> have the set list been written yet uh yes okay cool without obviously telling me what's on it i just want to know i presume the heavy focus is on the new album yes uh yeah we've got i, I think it's about a 50 50 split okay okay exciting stuff <laughs> It's an exciting time right now for In Technicolor. New album, Midnight Heavyweight, due out. And of course, the tour attempt to the 27th. Check the our website and stuff to the actual specific cities all across the UK. Um, I guess the idea from this is just to build in this momentum, enjoy the rest of this year, do this tour. And then 2023, we've got almost like a little bit of a, a restart in say festival season and areas like that now that COVID's out of the way and, and got through those difficult... I don't know, carry over uh, lineups. And I guess the plan is just to try and keep keep as busy as possible, right? Absolutely. Uh, we've got uh, we've got a couple of tours in the pipeline for 2023, um, which are penciled in the diaries at the minute, but the pencils are slowly turning into pen over the uh, over the coming days. So that's really cool. Um, and yeah, as you say, just try to hit those festivals. Um, there's a bunch of festivals that we've missed out on um, like Colossal in Copenhagen mm. and uh, we want to get back to 2000 trees and we'd love to do Arc Tangent again. And 
maybe even some of the the other festivals that we haven't hit before things like slam dunk and you know maybe try and try and speak to some people about those I, 2023 i think is a bit out for that but but 24 definitely as long as you're moving forward and you have the momentum behind you it's all great to hear i can't wait to see what's next gents thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate it Nice Thank you very much for watching. If you liked what you saw, please help us out by giving us a thumbs up and hitting that subscribe button. If you really liked what you saw, consider donating to keep the website and channel running by buying us a coffee via our coffee page or picking up some merch from our big cartel store. You can check us out on gbhbell.com as well as via our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as listen to our interviews via SoundCloud, Apple Music, and Spotify. Just search for GBHBL games, horror and heavy metal. What else is life for?